0: always, Jan Roos. And I'm here with a very interesting podcast guest in Michael Dolan, who is the president of Paperback Expert. Michael and I met up a couple weeks ago and we had a really fascinating discussion, but he has a very specific area of practice, which is getting your book published. And more importantly, in my mind, leveraging that to get some real authority, which is a thing that I've seen a lot of book publishers maybe myself included, I'm not quite be able to get the, uh, the leverage out of a book that's possible. But anyways, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, you're welcome, Jan. I'm looking forward to uh, just talking with you and sharing what I can. All right. Awesome, man. So, okay. I wanted to open up with kind of a thing that uh, I believe, which is everyone ends up doing what they think has the most impact. And the fact that you find yourself in the position where you're helping people write books and leverage those books means that, you know, that's probably pretty key to how you view marketing. So I guess what kind of led you into finding books as the main tool that you want to help people out with?
1: Hey, great question. I actually found myself uh, in prison and wow! I to escape now, not oh. not a literal, <laughs> not a literal prison. Okay, <laughs> I, I call prison. Yeah, I call prison a a job that you hate. Yeah. And so I was in family ministry for about ten years. The last two years, I just hated it. It just wasn't me. They weren't using my skills, and I needed out. And so my background from years ago was is marketing and for small business owners. And so when I stepped out of ministry, went into marketing as a as a marketing consultant. I'd go out, I had one client and help them break through some barriers they'd refer me to people, but nobody would hire me on because I didn't have credibility because everybody saw me as a a ministry guy, not Mm -hmm. a marketing guy. And so I had to fix that. And so what I did is I put all of my marketing strategies and ideas into my first book that I wrote called On Marketing. I'd mail that to a client before I met with them. They'd read it. I'd walk in and they saw me as a credible expert in marketing because I had a book. Mm-hmm. That changed everything for me. And after gaining a few clients, I said, man, why don't why don't more business owners write a book? Because business owners are experts at what they do. They're not great at marketing many times, but they're experts. And so what we do is we work with, with, with attorneys and in, in all across the country to help explain what they do, tell their story, because they all have a compelling story of why they're an attorney versus a doctor or something else. And then we teach them how to leverage that story in in that book to gain more clients, get more referrals and, and grow their revenue. So but that's how I got into into this whole thing is I escaped prison.
0: Yeah. I thought this was going to be like a Malcolm X type story for a while. And was <laughs> just like, man, I don't know how this didn't come up in our conversation before. I'd right. be I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. We, we have the benefit of having the face, the, our face-to-face. I was like, man, you, you don't have enough, as much many tattoos as I was going to expect. <laughs> for that. But anyway, but I want to pull something out that's really interesting. This kind of jumped out at the story. You wrote the book when you had one client. And I think one of the things that might hold a lot of people back is thinking, who am I to be this expert?
1: Yeah, it really is. And, and we get that all the time from experienced attorneys. Well, I don't know if I have enough to write a book and they're thinking too deeply about it, uh, because what you have to realize is is really you only have to be one or two steps ahead of most people. And especially in the in the the legal world, it, it is such a, a maze for those of us who are not in it uh, that virtually every attorney, if you just graduated from law school, you can actually write a book. And it's it's really, it's taking that perception because growing your law firm is less about being a great attorney as it is about being a great marketer. Now, I want you to be a great attorney too, but I'm going to hire you because of the marketing you do the way I feel about you. Every decision we make in life is an emotional decision first. Then we find the logic to back up what we want to do. And so as we position our clients through their book, we want to grab the, the heartstrings. And so you don't have to have a bunch of legal knowledge. In fact, the, the reader really doesn't care about case law or anything like that. They want to know who you are and how
0: you've helped others and how you can easily help them. Anybody. Yeah. We recently just put a podcast out on the curse of knowledge where a lot of the stuff that attorneys, and especially, you know, coming out of law school or coming with big law, it's like a lot of the times the the big person on the totem pole there is the person who knows the lot the best, but a lot of times that can actually work against you for getting the attention of Joe Q public, right? But that also kind of brings something into place too, because you mentioned a lot of this, you know, this emotion and, and this kind of thing, as far as the, what actually gets people involved. So, you know, having made the decision to become an attorney comes with a story in, 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 in some way, right?
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and most of the times when we write books for attorneys, we're asking these questions. We, we always start with brand strategy and understanding why do you do what you do and, and what's unique about your, your law firm, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of, uh, we've done a lot of books for personal injury attorneys, right? Mm-hmm. And I would ask them, say, why, why are you a personal injury attorney versus a family law attorney or something else? Most of the time, Jan, they have a story in their background where their mom got sick, or their sister was killed in a car accident, and somehow justice was not served, mm-hmm. and and something inside of that person clicked, and said, "I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen to anybody else," and that puts them on the on the pathway to become, in this case, a personal injury attorney, and it's that story that resonates with people because unfortunately, a lot of personal injury attorneys have a bad rap, right? I mean, they're they're just money, hungry, greedy slime balls. It's like, well, no, they're not. They're great people. They're fighting for a cause. We want to bring that cause out to say, this is why I do what I do. And I happen to be really good at it, but I'm going to care for you and your family because if you're coming to a personal injury attorney or a divorce attorney or, or whatever, you've got issues, right? You've got things going on. You've got emotions that are running rampant. You need somebody who's going to care for you emotionally and who can take care of you to make sure that that you get the result that you're looking for.
0: yeah, and you you bring up a really good point, too, because it's like I, I feel like there's so much brand damage for the for the practice as a whole because like I don't know how this ended up coming out too, but it's just like the thing is that from the perspective of working with them, it's marketing thing, it's probably the same thing you're finding. It's like I think most of the personal injury attorneys that we work with, I really consider them Robin Hood figures, honestly. Cause you know, you're, you're, you're going out, you're fighting on behalf of the common man. You're taking it from a lot of times, these big companies that just aren't giving people what they deserve for what's happened to them. And like, to be able to, to translate that I think is super important to like, I mean, if nothing else to get, you know, from a negative perception to a zero and then, you know, hopefully to a positive perception. But um, I want to kind of dig into another thing that I think is probably a big blocker from moving people forward with it. And it's like when I've, uh, and this is this is kind of funny too. So, I mean, we do talk about this on, on earlier conversations, but um, I ended up publishing my own book and the way that I did it, and that's just kind of the way that... Um, my brain works is i just sat down and locked myself in a room for 2 weeks and just banged the thing out. <laughs> i was doing 5000 words a day. but when i've been speaking people about books, uh, in general i feel like it's something that gets kind of referred to as like an aspirational thing. like let me take a year off to you know write my memoirs or really put this all thing in. but i think there's a lot of difficulty ascribed to the actual purpose and, and you know let's fold that in with the fact that not everyone really considers himself a writer. so how do you guys help people out with the process of actually getting you know, those brand ideas, those stories down to something that's on paper?
1: Yeah. Great question. I, t- I tell everybody, Jan, never write a book. And what I mean by that is you should never do what you did, by the way. Okay. Uh, my- <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where are you a couple of years ago, man?
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote my first book about it, killed me and my family to get it done. We have what we call a speak to write process. So our writers will actually get on the phone with you, Jan, and we will talk with you and we will outline your book. You you have everything in your head that you want in your book. Our job is to get it out of your head and into print by asking questions, and so we build the outline for your book, and then once the outline's built, we do a series of of interviews. We call them recording calls where you actually speak the content of your book to us, and the, the beauty of that is you probably experienced this when you wrote your book, You type a few lines and you're like, oh, no, that's not right. Backspace, 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 right, correct that. And it took you forever. That self-editing just kills you. Mm. So what we do is we say, I want you to talk to me like you're talking to a prospect or that you're in front of a a seminar or a workshop and you're sharing the information. Bring your A-game. Talk to me. And we record everything. Then our writers take that and we transcribe it. We use that as the foundation from which we will write your book. We present it to you. It's always your content, right? You, you get to move it and shake it as you want. But our writers are doing what they're best at, which is writing and crafting your story. And because we have the same writer with you through the entire process, they get to know who you are and how you speak because we want the book to sound like you. So we tell people never write a book. Always speak to write your book.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, You're you're reminding me of something that uh, just a good piece of advice in general, copywriting in general is conversational tone, right? And it's actually harder to write conversationally than it is to speak because most people speak all the time and the often that you're writing for other people's consumption, right? But um, no, that's really fascinating. And then So let's talk about leveraging the book. In your mind, what are the most important things that people should start to be thinking about probably before they even start this whole process?
1: Yeah, I love you say before you start because it's strategy, right? Why are you even thinking about writing a book? And for business owners, it's to really, for for me, it's it's to gain more clients and get more referrals and grow your revenue. That's the strategy. So now that you have your book published, okay? It's on Amazon, it's on Kindle, you've got a PDF, put it on your website. It, It should be front and center on your website because when the, when the, public comes to your website. They're there for information. and If they can get a free copy of your book, okay, you're gonna get their email address. I'm a huge fan of email marketing, right? Mm. I want them on my list. So that's a great way to get somebody on your list. Offer them a book because it has value. They can buy it on Amazon for $17.95 or get a free copy here. And then we have have an entire strategy that we teach that after they give you their email, you get their, their mailing address. You actually mail them a physical copy of your book. You sign it to them. How many people are doing that, right? Right. And so we have, we have a whole process. So you, you put it on the front page of your website. You can use it on social media. All of your social media profiles should say author of, right? And then all of your other accolades. But being an author in the mind of your audience is a big deal. And so you should always lead with that. Give your book away there. So that's how you start attracting more people, more ideal clients is because you're going to give them something of value that answers the question that's going through their mind. How do I solve my personal injury case? I just got hit by a car in a motorcycle accident. What do I do? Oh, somebody wrote a book that tells, Okay, I'll take a free copy of that book. Right. Mm. That's how you get them in your funnel. Once they're in your funnel, you educate them through different emails and, and, and podcasts that you do speaking about chapters in your book. And so now if you're especially if you're doing podcast or video interviews and you, and you put those into that funnel where you're educating and motivating people, they're getting to know you better. Mm -hmm. And when I get to know you, I get to like you, then I'll trust you, then I'll hire you. Okay. So it's just a process. And these are evergreen marketing systems, John, meaning you set them up one time and they work forever. And then how do you get referrals with your book? Well, when you settle the case and you get ready to hand them that big, large check and they're thrilled with your service, you'd say, "John, would you do me a favor? And you'd always say yes, because you're super happy, right? Mm -hmm and you have three or four copies of your book, and you say, Yana, I don't know if you know this or not, but most of our clients don't come to us from the advertising you see us do. Most of our clients come to us through the referrals of our happy, satisfied clients. Would you do me a favor? And in the next two or three weeks, as you're telling people about your case and how we served you and the settlement you got, would you just hand them a copy of my book and say, here's the guy we used, he was great. Mm -hmm. And they will always do that. And that's how you start what we call cloning your clients and getting your message out to more and more people. So people are reading your book so that when the day comes, John, that they need an attorney, they're not going to Google. Right. They got, they're going to their bookshelf or they know you, they're going, I, that's the person I'm going to. That's how you stimulate referrals. Those are just three simple strategies. We've got over a dozen playbooks that we teach our clients, but those are three real simple strategies of how do you leverage a book once you have it because it does you no good in your garage.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, it's actually really interesting you bring that up to it just uh, referrals have been something that we've been talking about on the podcast a lot recently and also discussing internally a bit. But I think one of the challenges that a lot of people have with asking for referrals is that you're kind of, Asking whoever you just like, there's, there's just weird negative pressure, right? They're like, okay, well, this person kind of just paid me. So do I even really have the right to ask? Um, Can I reasonably expect this person to do me a favor and have an uncomfortable conversation with something? I don't know, but that they don't know, but it completely flips the equation when you have this huge perceived value associated with the book. Hey man, I just got this book. Can I send it? <laughs> Can I send to you? I know, you know, I ride motorcycles, you ride motorcycles. I hope this never happens to you, but if it does, you know, <laughs> there's, there's kind of yeah. the option, right?
1: Totally. Yeah. We, have, in fact, motorcycles, we have a, a client, an attorney up in um, Calgary, Canada, Steve. Uh, yeah. Steve. Calgary, Alberta, oh, Steve. Calgary, Alberta, Canada, Steve Grover. He loves motorcycles and he's a personal injury attorney. He wrote a book on motorcycle, motorcycle safety, And he goes to motorcycle shows and motorcycle shops and gives his book out to everybody. Okay. And when he's riding or something, he always has copies of his book because it talks about motorcycle safety. He gives it out to uh, driving schools because in there, he talks to people who are driving cars to go, hey, when you're driving a car, look out for that motorcycle. Okay. There shouldn't be animosity between a car and a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. You're all there sharing it. And so he's getting his message out and he has become like the motorcycle guy in Calgary because over the last three or four or five years, he has just given his book out all around motorcycle safety. And he talks about helmets and gloves and riding well and taking classes and all of the things that surround riding a motorcycle. And then at the very, 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 very end of the book, he has like a little paragraph that says, you know, I hope I never have to meet you outside of a motorcycle rally. But if you ever need an attorney, give me a call. That's the only call to action in the entire book, as it should be, because the rest of the book bonds them with him. And they're like, I like this guy. He's like, he is a guy just like me.
0: Yeah. What you're after. And there's, there's two really interesting things I want to kind of tease out for there. And this is something that like, we firmly believe with the stuff that we do, which is mostly webinars, but just like, yeah, like you should be an educator first. And then if you do that part, right, then you shouldn't really have to ask so super strongly. So kind of that tell more, sell more mentality is one thing. Absolutely. The other thing too, which is, and and this is probably where it really makes sense to get creative when, you know, work with a firm like yours to kind of think about this because you're really talking about something that makes it so much easier, right? Like, you know, there's kind of like those things and <laughs> reminds me of like those those pamphlets that they would have in the doctor's office at the Simpsons. It's like, oh, so you just were electrocuted by a live wire. <laughs> like, No one's going to have to give that book to a friend, God forbid. But like, how do you guys think about taking a step out and taking something that might be very, very reactive, like personal injury and making that to something that people might be having an easier time of giving away?
1: Yeah, totally. So I've got a We've got another firm in um, Chicago and they wrote a book. I mean, they're a big firm, but one of their big moneymakers is nursing home cases. Mm -hmm. Okay, So we crafted their entire brand and story in this book. And the book title, I think this is where you're going, is Nursing Home Nightmares. And the entire book is around how loved ones have been hurt in a nursing home in a variety of methods and How do you protect your loved one from being hurt? How do you choose a good nursing home? And how, if your loved one is hurt, what should you do? Mm -hmm. And that went right to a specific audience. And they're putting it on billboards, on television, on radio, everywhere, because they know that that's a major, major concern for people who are placing their loved ones in a nursing home. Is this a safe place? So this law firm has written a book about how do you know what a safe nursing home is like? What should they do? What checks should, you know, what check marks should they have? And if for some reason you find that your loved one has been injured in a nursing home, who do you think you're going to call? Yeah, absolutely. They did a great job doing that. And I think any firm can do that. Whether you're talking about nursing homes, motorcycles, adoption, divorce, it doesn't matter. Everybody has a specific need And if you take the approach the right way and you have a caring heart about it, people are going to flock to you and they're going to know you in this case as the nursing home law firm,
0: not a bad position if that's what you want. Yeah, for sure. And like, it just kind of makes that, you know, that's one of the always super challenging things about a lot of these reactive practice areas is that. You know, everyone knows that you can Google, you know, you can pay for the AdWord for, you know, nursing home you know, injury attorney, and it's probably going to be 75 bucks a click. Sure. But again, that's a captive audience. All the people that are going to be making that decision are there at one point or another. But like your your whole interface with when you can possibly, because it takes it from that moment there's something went wrong to, you know, the years leading up to considering you know, getting a family member into one of these things too. And, and again, like the, the relationship that's being built over that time could be so much more powerful. And like one last thing, <laughs> sorry to gas you up so much, but the other thing too, is that like, you're really in much more of a monopoly position. The thing is that with personal injury, it's like, you don't really have to worry about the price because it's the same everywhere. And it's contingency, right. but for other practice areas, if you're listening to this and thinking about it, if you want to charge a premium price, you need to make sure that you're not considered as like a, you know, an exchangeable commodity with other people that are showing up on the same thing. So you know, for people who do charge retainers, for people who do do fixed fee services, it's absolutely super important to be able to differentiate yourself to be able to command those higher fees, right? Yeah,
1: oh, absolutely. So what, what's real on, on my heart right now, and I'll just be very transparent. Last week, a dear friend of mine died of a heart attack and I walked with his wife and family through the whole process of funeral planning and things, right? Well, praise God, they had a will. But I think the next step for her, and I'm going to guide her down this, is to create a a trust and and do some of that family planning that a a family attorney could do, right? Well, there are lots of family planning attorneys. Do you want to be the premium family planning attorney in your area? Well, how do you do that? You precondition your audience to see you differently and to know that you are the person they want to work with before you ever meet with them. And that comes through the message of your book, the position of your firm and the preconditioning emails and things and, and, and products that you send to them before you ever have that meeting. So they come into that meeting. They're not asking about price. They're asking, Jan, will you take me? Will you help me craft this legacy document for my family? I'm convinced you're the guy. Will you take me? That's where you want people to be. And it is definitely possible to do that. We help our clients do that all day, every day by understanding what's going on in the mind of the audience and send, crafting the right emails, sending the right materials and making sure your book is positioned properly so that you precondition people to hire you
0: before
1: you meet with them.
0: Yeah, 100%. I don't want to grandstand too hard right now, but I think like this is a huge movement that's happening in legal marketing as a whole. So, you know, we've we've established in the last 20 years that search marketing works, SEO works, yeah. uh, platforms like Google and ABO and Fine Law and stuff can get you clients. But what people didn't realize as far as the second order consequences of that are that, okay, well, if you have a list of reviews and three lines of text that's gonna be you're depending on to separate you from the other 18 attorneys that are on the page, well, guess what? Don't be surprised when price shoppers come your way because what have you really put into actually educating that prospect and why you're better? Chances are, unless you're an absolute razor on the phone, <laughs> if, uh, if you're what, uh, what we refer to as a gun in Canada on the phone as far as you're not there, you're not even going to get the airtime to explain why that, that's the case. If you're telling somebody, if you've ever had the situation when somebody says, what's the price and then hangs up if you try to do anything else and you know, you're know you advertising on one of these platforms, I got to ask you, you know, why do you think they should give you the time of day, right? So right. it's, such an, it's such a differentiator moving towards this educational marketing because like you, you really got to give people a reason. People aren't dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, if you're buying, you know, you're buying dishwasher detergent on Amazon, you're just going to go for the price. And if you're putting yourself in one of those situations, then again, don't be surprised. Okay, I want to pivot though, because one of the things you mentioned, which I found really intriguing, and this is something that I've considered for years for myself. So maybe asking you for a bit of free consulting on this call. Sure. This whole concept of advertising a book, so I know you mentioned that you had that uh, the the client for the nursing home that was doing stuff on billboards and that kind of thing. So do you guys do any sort of work with helping people get that stuff together, as far as creating funnels around the book itself, outside of the organic stuff that we mentioned earlier with the homepage and all that?
1: Yeah, we actually do. We've got a division of our company that does um, uh, that takes on the whole marketing. So most of our clients, what we do is is we get them published, we set them up, and we have playbooks, these credibility marketing playbooks. Okay, so. Facebook and, and referrals and things that are step-by-step playbooks that the client can run. Because a lot of our clients have mar- in-house marketing, right? Mm-hmm. That they can run. Some of our clients came to us and say, you know, we don't or we need help there. Well, we've got this division that we, we come in and we work with you to build a, a, what we call a credibility game plan. Mm-hmm. We want to look at the marketing you're doing and how are we going to leverage your book in the marketing you're already doing? And then we bring to the table our marketing playbooks and we'll help execute those. So if you need funnels built, we can do that. If you need a book landing page, we can do that. We count everything that we do around the credibility marketing. And I, and I phrase that purposely because marketing is marketing. And if you do marketing like everybody else, you're gonna look like everybody else. Mm. But if you elevate your credibility in the eyes of the audience, and market your credibility, that you're an author, that you've been on ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox, that you're a number one Amazon bestselling author of nursing home nightmares. You are the nursing home firm in the Chicagoland area. What does that do in the mind of the consumer? Well, in, in the mind of your audience, it does everything. It positions you in that number one position. So now they're more likely to get a copy of your book, to read your story, to get your emails. And all of that comes into how do you make all that happen? Well, we figured out a lot of attorneys don't have the wherewithal, don't have the internal systems to do that. So we created a division to help do that for you.
0: Yes. All right. That's super cool. And then like, as far as like, you know, just to get a little bit more tactical, what channels do you guys see doing really well for this?
1: Uh, Social media channels are great because you can do not just the book, but you can do video. So anytime you can do a video and, and do, so we set up a podcast for our clients. They, they all get their own podcast. And what we do is we interview them on every chapter of their book. So now you've got your book that's on your website, your books on social media, your podcast is now syndicated everywhere. You can also put that on social media on YouTube. All of that drives back to where your website to get a free copy of my book. But you could also do TV ads. I've got a number of attorneys who do television ads on a regular basis. All they do is they go in, they cut a new ad. Dino Colombo's in um, West Virginia, big truck injury attorney, and he does TV all the time. And he went in and cut new TV ads. I think they were five second, ten second, fifteen second, thirty second. He did all of them. He said, "Hi, I'm Dino Colombo. Being in a truck accident is a big deal." Get a free copy of my book to learn what you need to do to never settle for less was his title. Right. And he went on and he just cut some new ads, inserted those into his TV schedule. So he wasn't buying more television. He was just creating different ads. Mm -hmm. All of that drove back to his book website. Phenomenally worked phenomenally well. If You're doing radio. Same thing. So radio, television, billboard works, works great as a, a, billboard's really a reminder medium. Uh, but if your message is really super simple and you've got a great domain for your book that people could see it and go to the domain, great. But radio and,
0: and billboard work really well together. That's interesting because you just got like that sort of 3D stereo effect for anyone who's in a car, right? And oh. you know, if you didn't look like a big deal before, now you do.
1: <laughs> totally. You totally do. So it's, it's really looking at the strategy because I've got other clients who are killing it with email marketing mm-hmm. because they're, they don't have the money to do TV and radio. It's like, okay, great. What do you have the money? Here, here's, here's the marketing tip for the day. Never buy a bigger media provider. Then you can afford to be a big player on. Interesting. So if you don't have money to do radio and to do it right, don't do it. It's better to do some Google ads or some Facebook ads, driving them to to a website to capture their email and then own them through email. Do email the right way. So it's it's all about strategy and what are you trying to do? Because most most of the attorneys we work with are not the big you know Goliath firms. We work with small firms. Mm. They don't have millions and millions of dollars to spend on marketing. So we've got to make, help them make the dollars they do invest in marketing really get a result. And so we look at all of their marketing and we make recommendations to go, you know what? Here's what everybody else is doing. Let's go over here and do this. And um, it's kind of like Walmart. You know, everybody knows Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. Did you know that Walmart, when he first started, he, he was competing against Sears and JCPenney and Kmart. They were always in big markets. Sam Walton Walton went to small towns, 10,000 or less, and that's how he built Walmart. Walmart was like an $8 billion company before he went to the first big city because he went where the big dogs couldn't. Same concept and principle applies in legal marketing. Don't try to do what the big dogs are doing. There's plenty of business out there. You just have to have the right strategy and draw people in the right way and build a relationship with them. So they know, like, and trust you, they'll hire you. And there are lots of ways to do that. So what mediums work best? Yeah. It depends on your strategy. Obviously the big media is great. If you have the money, if you don't rely on your website, blogging, podcast, email, social media,
0: you can make a killing on that. Um, That's fantastic. And then I wanted to to drill down a little bit too. So I know we've talked about a couple examples of clients that had pretty well-established sub-niches within like the markets that they're doing. I guess that's kind of like your your Sam Walton 10,000-person town, right? So again, you're never going to be competing against Morgan & Morgan or Chilino & Barnes in the market if you just want to be the personal injury guy, for example. But I had a question to follow on with. Do clients usually come to you with a niche in mind or are you ever helping people discover what they should focus on?
1: Yeah, both actually. Sometimes we've got like I ju- we just published a book by an attorney down in Florida. He's like medical malpractice. That is his thing. He's known nationwide. And he came to us. He says, this is my gig. This is what I want to talk about. Great. We've had others come to us with that whole, well, I don't know if I have enough to talk about or I don't know how to position it. Right. So you, you mentioned Morgan and Morgan. Um, I've got a client down in uh, I think it's Fort Lauderdale area. And I think Morgan Morgan is big down there. He's a little personal injury attorney. And as we were, we were doing his book, the story came out. And this is really important, Jan. This is the key to what we do. He was telling, I said, why are you an attorney? Why are you a personal injury attorney? Tell me your story. Well, he has a whole story about playing college baseball. He was going to be a professional baseball pitcher. And in college, he threw his arm out, had something hit with his elbow, kicked him off, you know, got him out of the team, had to go into rehab and hospital and all of that for months and months and months. Finally came out, never got back on the the field, decided to become an attorney. Well, he has lived the experience that most of his clients are living. Something out of the blue happens, takes them out of the game. They go to the hospital, they have to go to rehab. And we said, wow, there's your story. And so we called his book when life throws you a curveball. Okay. William Franke, and it's the sub right below his name, it's um former baseball player turned attorney. And the beginning, the first chapter of that book tells his story so that people get who he is and why he does what he does. Then he starts talking about personal injury stuff. Mm-hmm. It has gotten him so many speaking engagements in his community. With the colleges in town, because he was a college, you know, baseball player and things, he's able to compete not against the the big dogs, but around them. He's doing things that they aren't able to do, and nobody can tell that story but him. Mm-hmm. That story positions him very uniquely, and it's he can tell that story all day every day. He's been on television morning shows with that. He's telling that story in in you know, universities, and he's gaining all kinds of clients because they bond with his story. And when they do that, they trust him to take care of their case. So there's lots of strategies that we teach our clients. If, if you're in a market trying to, and there's a big dog there, great.
0: Let's not go after them head on. That's kind of silly. Mm-hmm. Let's find a way, let's do what they can't do. Did that answer that question? Oh, absolutely. And you really got my head, uh, like my mind thinking right now too, Michael, because it's like, this is the thing coming from our, our background really was starting out in pay-per-click advertising. So I have a very hard time conceptualizing niches other than how they can be con- like come together in the keyword. Right. So, yeah. th- but the reality is he's going completely around it. Like you said, it was basically, you know, if, if it's not what he's doing, that's different, it's how he's doing it. Right. And that feeds me into the next question too. So you mentioned kind of going on this press junket, how does somebody, you know, can we kind of talk about how, how somebody would leverage? One of the other things you mentioned too, I think this is in passing, but it was like, oh yeah, featured on news channel, XYZ, blah, blah, blah. How do you go from having the point where you have you know, this piece of content, this expertise to leveraging that to press opportunities? Yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh,
1: so part of our process is to, we guarantee to take all, our, all of our clients to be an Amazon bestselling author and to get them the media credentials of ABC, NBC, Fox, things of that nature. That's part of our process. If you're not one of my clients and you have your book already, well, I would say start small. Pick up the phone and call your local television producer. Find the producer for the, the legal segment or the morning show. And always think about what is their audience interested in. Okay, so you always have your, your sales pitch, right? But you also have a media pitch, which is different than your sales pitch. You've got to understand that media person, that producer at the television station, the radio station, they are interested in in audience, their audience, and finding something their audience is interested in. So call them. Right now is a great time to get on television because there's just, you know, a lot of people have been laid off and producers need content. So if you're listening to this right now, a great way to start is pick up your phone and find out who's the producer of your local television station, ABC, NBC, Fox, whatever, on morning shows, on the legal segment or whatever, radio stations, newspapers, magazines in your area, pick up the phone and make a call because somebody's gonna give you a yes. Also, never overlook the Kiwanis, the Rotary Clubs, the Lions Clubs in your areas. Never overlook the community schools and the colleges that you can speak to because here's the deal. You wanna speak and become known as the guy who wrote the book on whatever. I wrote the book on marketing. You, somebody else might have been wrote in the book on nursing home nightmares, right? Where is your audience gathering? Go speak there and give your book away to everybody. Don't sell it to them, give it away to them, right? And when you start doing that, if you were to to build a speaking schedule for the next 12 months and you were speaking one to two times a month at local places and you were calling the media and saying, "Hey, I just spoke over here or I'm speaking over there." I'm I, they're going to call you. They're going to invite you in. It's all about building a relationship with them and understanding what are they looking for? Right. What does their audience want? Give that to them. And they're going to start looking at you when they need a soundbite on something. They're going to say, Hey, here's that book. That guy sent me mail them a copy of your book. Definitely. Uh, but build a relationship
0: with them. Yeah. That's interesting. And the other thing too, is just like, you know, as far as kind of our own experience with doing some of this stuff, I'll just say this to anyone who's worried about having cold outreach be part of their life indefinitely. There is a tipping point, right? Because at some point when you've gotten enough of these things down, they start coming to you. And that's, that's when things get a little easier. Okay. Now, last thing I wanted to kind of close out on is we've talked about a lot of this stuff. So anyone who has an anxiety right now, but how many of these books should I get? How do you guys thinking about the printing process and how, like, what should people be gearing up for if they really want to go all in on this whole book strategy? Yeah, that's great. Of so, numbers of copies. You know? Numbers of copies.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, our, our entire system is built around a print on demand system. I am not a big fan of having hundreds of books in your closet, right? And so our system, what I tell people is you should always have about 50 copies of your book on hand in your office because you want to be able to hand those out to people. If, if the Chamber of Commerce calls and says, hey, John, we need somebody to speak next Thursday. Can you do that? You want to be able to take some copies with you. But you need to look at your marketing outreach and say, okay, based on my marketing schedule and what I'm doing, I only need 50 books a month or 75 books a month. And so you should set it up on a print on demand system that on the 15th of every month, a new book order gets placed and you can monitor just like Walmart does. Right. They monitor their stock. Grocery stores do the same thing. You can do the exact same thing. So you don't need to order a thousand books and have them in your in your background. You don't need to do that. Now, I had the the nursing home client. They were getting ready to do a major promotion on television and and everything. And they called and they said, okay, we're going to need to order about 600 books for this this window. And so we worked with them on that. Outside of that, just a few books every month or every quarter. Um, I've got one client who orders, I think it's 75 books a month, every month, because they know their marketing is part of what they do. So don't think that you're going to have to order lots and lots and lots of books. Okay. Our clients, they order books from, you know, your books on Amazon for like 17 to $22. Usually you order books through us, our clients do for $5 each. So Mm -hmm. it's not a major investment. You just have to look at your marketing and say, how many books am I going to be giving out, mailing out, handing to my clients to get referrals on a regular basis? How do I build centers of influence in my city and hand them copies and make sure I have copies of my book in their office? You just have to do a little bit of math, but 25 to 50 books on
0: hand at any given time is about the right number is what we have found. Good, that's really interesting. And yeah, that's the thing too. <laughs> I was just trying to like, it's it's like one of these things, you, I always think about like, whenever somebody mentions a big direct mail, came out like, we oh, got the stamps, we got the postage. <laughs> so running those things in my mind, but um, no, okay. So that, I mean, that's less complicated than I thought it was gonna be. So I mean, definitely, definitely pretty achievable. All right, Michael. Well, it has been a fantastic conversation and I've gotten a lot out of this, but as far as people who wanna get, a little bit more. <laughs> What's the best way to get in your world?
1: Yeah, two things. Obviously, our, our website, paperbackexpert.com, that, that gives you all the information. But really, the starting place for a lot of people, if they've thought about a book, we talked about it earlier is the strategy, right? And, and I talked about the credibility game plan that we run our clients through. We've got this thing, we created this thing called the credibility calculator. And it helps people understand How does your audience perceive you? How credible are you in the eyes of your audience? And most people I ask that question, they're like, well, I I don't know. Well, we figured it out. There's a calculator. It's called thecredibilitycalculator.com. It takes less than five minutes. We give you your credibility score from the audience's perspective. Then after that, you're going to go through a, a five video series called the credibility game plan. And in five videos, you're going to walk through the process we take our clients through so you can understand more fully how to build and create your own brand strategy and credibility marketing game plan so that you can take this to the next level very systematically and very strategically. So I'd say, yeah, website, paperbackexpert.com, but also the credibilitycalculator.com is a great place for everybody to start just to say, wow, how credible am I? and you might
0: be surprised. (laughs) That's awesome. And guys, just kind of like a side note for me, for anyone who's been listening to this, one of the things I've I've been really, really enjoying the tips that Michael's been giving, but I also want people to think about things as a strategy and not a tactic, right? Publishing a book is one thing, but there's all the upstream stuff and there's all the downstream stuff. A lot of things too, just in general, look, there's unknown unknowns. And that's why I really, it's, it's really great to have somebody who's living this five days a week, however many hours that you choose to work. And that's why it's, you know, it's important to have experts involved in stuff. And again, you can be that expert and, you know, you can actually prove it if you want to (laughs) have a process like this. So anyways, just things to keep in mind. Michael, thank you so much for being on the show. I super appreciate it. Hey, thanks, John. I've enjoyed it immensely. And then for everybody else, we'll be back with you guys next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.